Well, welcome here. My name is uh, Keith, uh, and I am the lead pastor here at Mission Creek Alliance Church. Uh, and if you're here this morning and you're wondering, like, I don't know if I feel like I belong in this place. Maybe you feel like an outsider. Maybe you've been coming here for a while and you still feel like you don't belong. You are not here by accident. There is a God who is running after you, chasing after you because he loves you and, and, and he wants you to know that you belong to him. And because you belong to him, you belong among people who are finding life in him as well. And sometimes the people we belong among look different than us. They, they sound different than us. They're, they're maybe not the people that are in our peer group, but we belong because Jesus makes us belong. You're welcome here, and I'm thankful that you are. Uh, I have a few announcements uh, at the top before we jump into our Advent sermon series. Uh, and so let me just dismiss grades six to eight. Maybe you've already left, uh, but thanks for worshiping with us this morning. You can go on out to your time of Sunday school if you're in grades six to eight. I uh, also want to let you know about a few things. It's, it's the Advent season, so we have a few Christmas parties coming up uh, here. We've got our kids' club, grades four and five. They have a Christmas party on December the 12th, uh, and so you can send your kids that. It's here at the church, 6.30 to 8 p.m. Also, our young adults uh, have their Christmas party on December the 11th, uh, 18th. It changed uh, in the time that I saw it uh, to the time that it's up there. So the 18th of December, uh, you can email, still email Elliot uh, if, uh, if, you, if you want the secret location that might change. So make sure you email him uh, to get the details, uh, and uh, I want to call you to that. It's going to be a great time if you're uh, kind of a young adult, uh, 18 to 25, and we added a plus at the end of that. Uh, if you're 26, they're not going to kick you out. You can figure that out. Bless you in that. Um, also want to let you know as we enter Advent season, we have some Advent calendars uh, or, uh, that have been prepared. You can purchase one of those if you weren't able to come to our, our building party uh, last week. We also have a list of the reflections that we want to encourage you to each day. Uh, as uh, the Bissett family led us in this morning, we want to call you to reflect because as we prepare our hearts for Advent, there is something about Christmas that becomes more real. Not more magical. You know, this is not a religious Disney Christmas we're leading to. We're leading to the reality of a God who took on flesh and entered our life because he loves us and he has a way of salvation for us. And so we want to call you to this, and so you can pick up at the welcome desk. There are a few uh, handouts you can follow along on our daily reflections if you weren't able to get an advent calendar. I uh, want to also, just a real quick announcement uh, for those of you uh, who know Henry Dirksen and his family. Uh, Henry passed away last week, uh, and so wanted to let you know that, uh, and let you know that there is a memorial service happening on Monday, December the 11th at 1 p.m. at Springfield Funeral Home, uh, and so let me call you to that. Uh, I'm gonna, I want to take a moment to uh, pray for our tithes and our offerings. Uh, and uh, on the first of the month, we, uh, we, we reflect on uh, our offering to the Lord as we bring the first fruits to Him. We give because we believe God is a generous God. That He, everything we have is actually a gift from Him. And we give back to the Lord because we want to see people grow in, know the gospel and grow in the gospel. 
Not simply here in our church, but in churches across our city, in homes across our city, and throughout the world. And so we give because God first gave to us. And there are a few ways that you can, you can partner with us in the gospel. You can give in person uh, through the donation boxes at the doors. Uh, you can give uh, online, uh, whether that is through the, our website or through your online banking, or you, you can give on your phone with the QR code. And so let me, uh, let me pray as we consider giving our tithes and offerings today. Jesus, Everything we have is a gift from you, our very breath. And so, Lord, we thank you for all that you have given us. And so, as we give our tithes, our offerings, as we give our lives to you as, as this living act of worship, we pray that you would take all of these things and use them for your glory. Jesus, I'm mindful that there is a city that we live in with people who are hurting and lonely. And you, you want to love them. And so we pray by extension today that you would love people in our city. And we thank you that we could be on mission with you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would multiply your kingdom in our hearts and in our city and in our world. And we thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I remember the first big trip that I ever took was to Florida, and I was seven years old. Uh, and this was a really big deal for my family because we were used to a camping holiday budget, not an airplane holiday budget. <laughs> It was a big deal uh, to go uh, to Florida. And, and it was also the first time that I was ever on an airplane. And, and so you can imagine, as this seven-year-old kid, I had, the, had this mix of nervous excitement. Stepping onto the plane, uh, everything uh, was absolutely new to me, everything. But it was exactly like I pictured it, because I watched a lot of TV when I was a kid. Stepping onto the plane, I saw rows of seats that went on for a mile, and these magic elves that were pushing carts around, offering you pop and cookies. I was literally a kid in a candy store. And, and as we stepped onto the plane, uh, my dad asked me, he said, Keith, do you want the window seat? There's a window seat? I mean, you can, I, I can have my own window and and we can see outside when we're flying in the air i mean that window seat is gold for a kid isn't it and now when when i fly in and out of Kelowna, and now as an adult i sometimes sit at the window and and i love to see the big picture of our city when i do and and how it all fits together do you ever do this if you've ever been on an airplane I look out the window, and I try and put the pieces together, right? I'm like, okay, well, there's the highway. Do you do this? Oh, there, there's the church. I can see the church. There's the soccer field that, that I play, and then we're getting a little higher up, and I, th I think I can see my house down there. And then you, you wave for some reason. <laughs> you know, it's kind of weird how we do it. <laughs> In this Advent season, I, I want to lead you into one single verse of the Bible that is a little bit like sitting at the window seat. 
Because in this verse, we see the bigger picture of why God sends his son Jesus into the world. And we see how all of the pieces come together in this Christ child. The text is a simple one, and it's likely familiar to you. You've probably heard it before. And it's in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the, the, the single verse. It says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Unto us a child is born. Here is the foundation of all of Christmas. Unto us a son, Jesus, is given. But what does the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah want us to know about this child? Well, there are four things, apparently, because Isaiah wants us to know that this child has come to reveal something about God through the four names he is given in this text. And they are Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so for each of the four weeks as we, we step through Advent toward Christmas Eve, uh, we're going to take one of these names and, and look at it to see the bigger picture of God's redemptive plan for all of life, including your life and my life. And today we begin with the first name that is given to this child, which is Wonderful Counselor. But let me pray before we, before we drill in. Jesus, I pray this morning, Jesus, I pray that you would do what no sermon could do. I pray that you would do what no words could do, that you would fill us with the very life of God. Not so we can participate in some magical moment, but so you might restore us as a whole human being. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would come with power this morning. I pray that you would mend what's broken, that you would tend to what's hurting, that you would love what needs loved, that you would wow us. For your glory and for our wholeness, we pray. Amen. So before I drill in a little bit, I want to give you a bit of a larger context to the verse that we're looking at in the book of Isaiah. And now the promise of this child was given to God's people at a very dark time in their history. They had lost their way. The people of God had, had forgotten their first love, their first love for the God who rescued them from slavery in Egypt. And having lost their first love, they began to go their own way, because that's often how it works, isn't it? They were bowing down to lesser lords, like we sometimes do. In the last few words of Isaiah chapter 8, they sum up the situation of their life. It says that life was full of fearful gloom and utter darkness. That's what life becomes when we don't let God lead the way. Gloom and darkness. 
We might not notice it at first, of course, because sometimes going our own way feels like life and it feels like light. Sometimes doing what we want and and not doing what God wants feels like a rush of joy and, and it actually feels something like freedom. But make no mistake about it. There is no sustaining life apart from the author of life. To turn your back on the maker of light only leaves you in darkness. The rush doesn't last, and the freedom isn't true freedom. And the truth of the matter is, many of us here in this room, we know this to some degree. Why? Because we've turned our backs on God in our own life at one point or another. And we've experienced doom. We've experienced darkness. And so God's people are in this place. They had turned their backs on God, and life got really hard for them. One of the superpowers in the day, in the history, one of the superpowers at the time was Assyria, and they were directly to the north. And their armies were growing, and, and war was brewing. And, and history will tell us that, that, that this Assyrian army, in a few short years after this verse was written, uh, will march into the northern kingdom of Israel, overtake the land, and, and, and march many of its citizens into exile. The doom and the darkness are about to get very worse, much worse for these people. And it's into the doom and the darkness that Isaiah speaks God's promise. It's often the way it is. It's into the doom and the darkness that Isaiah speaks God's promise. I mean, that, that was Roxanne's story this morning, wasn't it? It's in that place when we need him the most. And it's like God points to us and says, I'm not done with you yet. I have salvation for you. And so God's people had turned their backs on him. And it's into this darkness that Isaiah speaks God's promise. Listen to the larger promise. I'm going to read it all. It's Isaiah 9, verses 1 to 7. It begins... Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. <laughs> now, notice, Isaiah 9 is, is actually written, if, if, if you read it, uh, see it in the text, it's written as a poem. It's written as, as a song, even. God gives people a song to sing in the dark. And it's a song that points to God's bright future, about a day when he will bring people out of doom and darkness and into life and light, into joy and freedom, and he'll put an end to war. This is a song of hope. And it is so hopeful, this song, that it is written in the past tense. Like everything God has promised to do has already taken place. You see that? Listen again. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. <laughs> Remember, things are about to get worse. <laughs> but the people walking in darkness, they have seen a great light. That you have enlarged the nation, God, that you have increased their joy. They rejoice, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. In the darkness, God's people sing a song of hope with such faith. Even though it hasn't happened yet, they sing as though it has in the darkness, God gives his people a song to sing, and it's a song with a promise so certain that they will sing it as though the promise has been fully received. Church, we sing a lot of songs, especially at Christmas time. And Isaiah 9, it, it challenges us to sing our songs with a greater faith, trusting that there is even more of God's promises yet to be received in our lives. And friends, I want you to know that, that your story is not done with God. He's not finished with, with you. He, he has more to write into your story. And we know that the things that, that we want from God aren't always the, 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 the things that he gives us. But mark this, don't miss this. He has something to give you. There is more that he wants in your life, more freedom, more, more joy, more wholeness, more healing. And as we look at Isaiah 9, we, we're called into faith to sing these songs as though we know the promises of God are yes and amen, but we lean in with faith and sing them as though they've already taken place. But the big question, of course, of Isaiah chapter 9 is, is how does this song become a reality? How will God bring light into our darkness and life into our doom? Well, the song sings through a child. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. Now, of course, we know that this child is Jesus, right? It's Jesus. But he is not named Jesus in the song. Rather, as we've seen, he's given four other names. And, 
And names are really important in the Bible. A name would speak about someone's character, about, about who they are, or, or about what they would accomplish in their life. My daughter's name is Sophia Grace. And Sophia is a Greek word that means wisdom, and grace is English for grace. <laughs> and all along, we, 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 Gina, my wife and I, we have prayed since she was born that this girl would become a woman of God's wisdom and grace in the world. She is. She's growing into her name. Names are important. And so this promised child is given four names that, that each say something important about what he has come to do. Mark this, what he has come to do in your life. And the first is wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. So what does the name mean? And at first, we hear the word wonderful counselor, and it seems very straightforward to us. We have a sense of what is wonderful and what a counselor is. We get the sense that Jesus is our counselor, the one who shows us how to live, how to navigate life well, and someone who can attend to our past trauma and our past pain. And to be certain, Jesus does these things. But this word counselor has something slightly different, a turn of the prism in mind in, in the Hebrew language. Jesus is all of those things, but, but this word counselor has something slightly more in mind. I've spoken to a few counselors in my life, guidance counselors, spiritual counselors, and professional counselors, and they're all a gift. But the title counselor here in the Hebrew word, isn't so much about therapy as it is about strategy. Because in the ancient world, a counselor was someone who, who would devise plans to win military victories. And Jesus is called counselor because he is God's strategy in the battle against doom and darkness. He is God's plan for bringing light into our dark world. And peace is written all over this text. Jesus doesn't come as a military strategist to bring war. He becomes the strategy of God's plan to bring peace. And God's strategy is called wonderful. Literally, full of wonder. It's a counsel that is so profound that it makes you say, wow. So when we pull all of these pieces together, Isaiah is saying, when you look at this child, you will call him the wonder of God's plan or the wow of God's redemptive strategy. He is the wonderful counselor. And if you've ever encountered Jesus before, if, if you've ever been touched by his holiness or, or you've been over, overcome by his love, that you know he loves you, you, though you maybe have never heard this name described this way before, I'm sure it rings true for you. God's plan is wow. 
when we know that Jesus loves us, when, when that's not just something we know in our head, when it's something we've experienced, when we know his embrace despite our failures, when we know his care despite our brokenness, the only response is, wow, what grace. Wow, what love. God's plan is wow. I remember standing beside Niagara Falls as a young boy and saying, wow. I also remember standing at the altar looking down the aisle at my wife, Gina, and saying, wow. You see a meteor shower in the sky and you shout out, wow, look at that. Wow is that moment that, that takes your breath away. It's the moment that catches you off guard. And the wow comes when, when you get a glimpse of something greater than yourself or, or something beautiful or, or, or something powerful, something beyond yourself. And this is how salvation comes to, to every one of us who walks in darkness. It comes with a wow, with a wonder. God's strategy to redeem this broken world is wow. His plan to restore your life is wow. What the song in Isaiah 9 is telling us is that when we look at this child, we are looking through a window into God's redemptive plan. Like flying out of Kelowna Airport, we're being given this bigger picture. And when we see it, more than that, when we receive it, all we can say is wow. And we see this wow in, in a number of places in the child's life, the Christ child. First, we see the wow of God in the child's birth. Think of some of the greatest problems in our world today. I mean, when you think of some of the greatest problems we're facing in our world today, what comes to mind? Conflict, war. God's solution to life's greatest problems, like war and conflict and injustice. His solution is a child. Wow. God doesn't send a military warrior or a nobleman or, or an intellectual or an economist or a philosopher to answer life's problems. He sends a child. God doesn't send in the troops. He sends in the child. That's all the world needs is the child. It's wow. I mean, you'd expect that the high king of heaven to arrive in, in quite a different manner than he did. Because right? if I were writing the story, there would be peals of, uh, of, of, of thunder and flashes of lightning. And I, if I were to write the story, I would pick Rome, which was the epicenter of the cultural influence in the world of that day. And I would pick a warrior armed with, with might uh, uh, who would have, be able to, to wage war and overturn systems of injustice and greed and exploitation. I think he'd look a little bit like Dwayne Johnson. I mean, surely that's what God's rescue would look like. Yet that's not the arrival that the child makes comes as a vulnerable baby, born in poverty, lying in a feeding trough in a back alley home in an unimportant town. 
That's how God intends to save the world. And it's how he intends to save you and me. And it's, wow. Jesus' birth is a window into what God can do in your life today, church. There is no problem too big for Jesus to remedy in your life. There is no enemy too strong for him to overpower. There is no battle too hard. And God sends the Christ child into the doom and the darkness in your life with the power of his angel armies, and he will have victory. Wow. We see the wow of God in the Christ child's birth, but we also see the wow of God second in the Christ child's life. Wherever Jesus went, people said, wow. They were full of wonder. Yes, there were other people who said, now wait a minute. There were people who opposed Jesus at every turn, but that was mostly because he, he made the wrong people say, wow, isn't it? Sinners and the prostitutes, they said, wow, Jesus really loves us, unlike anyone else has. The tax collectors and, and the untouchable lepers, they, they said, wow, he, he welcomes us in where no one else does. And the sick said, wow, wow, this man can heal us. Mind, body, heart. You see, the wow of God's redemptive plan is, is that no matter what you've done, no matter how broken you are, no matter how messed up your life is, you are not beyond the reach of God's embrace. No one gets away without being loved by him. No one. See, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. And he goes about doing that by embracing the broken, the overlooked, and the hurting, and by forgiving the sinful to reconcile us to God. Wow. Wow. The Christ child's life is a window into God's strategy to bring healing into your life. And what a strategy. What is the strategy? His strategy to bring healing into your life is to love you and embrace you until every part of yourself has been made whole. Third, we see the wow of God in the child's death and resurrection. Because on the cross, the sinless Jesus took our shame and our guilt upon himself to pay the penalty for our sin. I wonder, do you see the strategy for God's redemption? The high king of heaven didn't come so that we would serve him. Rather, he came to serve us. And he served sinful people like me and you by giving his life as a ransom for ours on the cross. Wow. Isaiah 53, 3. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Wow. Wow. And then as his body suffered the fate of our sin, as he lay cold and dead in a stone tomb for two days, somehow, 
some way the breath of God entered his lungs again. Not even the power of death, the darkest power on the face of this earth could hold this Christ child down. For on the third day, he rose again. He is risen, church. He's risen indeed. Wow! Are you getting the picture? Do you see through the window? Unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and his name is, is Wonderful Counselor, the wonder of God's redemptive strategy on display. His plan is, wow, here is the child with the power to end war and conflict, the, ch the child who embraces the needy with his love and heals them, the child who forgives sins and breaks sin's curse in our life. The child with the power to raise us to life again in the child. Wow. But there is one last moment of this child's life that we need to see that takes your breath away. And it's his ascension. We often miss this one. The last moment that Jesus' feet touched our earth before they returned to touch it again. Do you remember what happened at Jesus' ascension? Yes, Jesus ascended to the right hand of God the Father. But do you remember his promise? It's in John 16, 7. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus says, when I go, I will send you the advocate, the advocate. That's what our NIV translation gives us. The Greek word is parakletos, and it means counselor. When I go, I will send you the counselor. Do <laughs> you see it? The wow of God in the ascension is that Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit, the wonderful counselor. He has sent the Holy Spirit not simply to show us God's redemptive plan, but to fill us with it, to fill us with the very same spirit that the Christ child had living in him. See, after the ascension of Jesus, we don't simply look through the window of God's redemptive plan and say, wow, <laughs> because with his ascension, Jesus has opened the window. He's opened the window and sent his Holy Spirit to do his redemptive work in the hearts and lives of women and men like you and me. Wow. We are not spectators of the wow because we are recipients of it. Church, the Christ child has come into the world's darkness, and he wants to come into yours, and he is inviting you to receive his light, to receive his Holy Spirit, to participate in the holy wow. A friend of mine told me a story about a little town in his home country in, in Romania, and in this little town, there, there was these row of houses uh, that, um, that, that lined one of the streets there. And you can imagine a small Romanian town with these, these houses that are, are lining the streets. They, they were once really picturesque, little homes that 
had a colorful mix of brick and stone and, and wood with these cute windows and, and doors just aligning this picturesque landscape. But this row of homes had, had been abandoned for a long time since the communist war. And so no one lives in these homes anymore. They're, they're abandoned except for one. One single house in a row of houses had one family living in it. And my friend observed the most interesting thing, and it stuck with me. He, you see, none of these houses had any work done to them. Uh, none of them were repaired. They weren't repainted. They weren't fixed up in all the years since the war. Not even the house that had a family living in it. They had very little money. But the remarkable thing was that all the empty houses on that street, they had aged badly. The paint peeled, the roof sagged, the iron rusted. But the house with the family living in it, it somehow kept its shape. It had maintained its vitality without being repaired or, or repainted. And the question is, how could that be? Well, it's simply because someone was living in the house. You see, their presence brought a light and a life to the structure of the building that had sustained it in a way that the empty houses simply didn't have. And the same is true for each of us. Without the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we waste away in doom and darkness. But with him, with the Holy Spirit, with the wonderful Counselor, we have the light and life of God to sustain us and to make us whole. We have the wonderful Counselor at work in us. God's plan is wow. Let's pray. Jesus, some of us here this morning feel like an empty house. Maybe the structure is failing. And it feels like doom and darkness. And so, Jesus, we look to you, the Christ child, the wonderful counselor, the one who brings the wow of God's redemptive plan to life. And we ask, great counselor, as we open our hearts to Jesus, that you would fill us afresh with the fullness of your redemptive love. That you would do in us what only the Christ child could do. That you would love us into healing. And that you would restore our brokenness and reconcile us to the God who made us and loves us. And that Jesus, through your wonderful counselor, you'd bring us to life again. To be your people to walk through the world with dignity and joy because we know we belong 
to the God who made us. And so, Jesus, we pray that you would do what only you can do. Fill us with your spirit. We make you our home, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.